My major pain has, has been invisible. The mobility aid makes it better. It gives me freedom. It can get to the core beliefs we have about ourselves. Don't ever think you're alone. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Kenneth, whose family has a multi-generational history with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Since this disease runs in his family, Kenneth was diagnosed at just two years old. Throughout his childhood, Kenneth was an active kid, and he got hurt a lot, banging into things and getting cuts and bruises, all of which made worse by Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Since this is a connective tissue disease, it can cause your skin to tear easily, and Kenneth has the scars to prove that that is true for him. In fact, he was made fun of in school for his appearance, people making fun of his skin and his scars and telling him that he should cover his skin. This caused intense loneliness and made Kenneth feel like he was an outcast. We've spoken to several people with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome on this podcast. I think at this point it might be the most covered disease that we've talked about, but this story is so different from what we've talked about in the past. It's a great reminder that every person's journey through chronic illness is unique. And one of the reasons why I love revisiting diseases and disabilities on this podcast is because everyone's journey is unique. Talking to Kenneth really expanded my understanding of the scope of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and the ways in which it can affect someone's life. It's a really special conversation. I, I enjoyed it so much. I mean, I always do on this podcast. I always say this, but this is another great show that I'm really, really excited to share. Uh, I have a couple announcements to make, and then we'll jump into our chat with Kenneth. First of all, I'm really excited to announce that we have a brand new Patreon supporter of the podcast. Our friend India is the first person to sign up from Canada, which is very exciting. India has actually been on the show twice, uh, first in her initial episode and then in our one-year anniversary catch-up episode that we did a few months ago. And she has also lent her expertise to the show as a retired nurse on several occasions. And I'm so incredibly appreciative and grateful that she has also decided to support this podcast financially through Patreon. India, you have continually gone above and beyond to support this podcast, and I appreciate it so much. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, you can check out our campaign at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. Extra special thank you to our Patreon producers supporting this show at the highest tier of $25 per month, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Anson Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Thank you so much for your continued support. As I'm recording this, it is November 1st, so it's the beginning of a new month, which means that Andy and I will be sitting down shortly to record our bonus episode for the month of November. That will be coming sometime this week, so keep your eyes peeled if you are a member of our Patreon community. I also have to say, happy Halloween. Uh, Andy and I went trick-or-treating with some of Andy's family and their kids. I had not been trick-or-treating in like 20 years. I love trick-or-treating. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I still can't walk long distances. And I've been on a little bit of a downswing last couple weeks uh, because I'm trialing this new medication that's kind of messing with my chronic illness equilibrium. So as we went trick-or-treating, I needed to use my wheelchair, which was a really interesting experience, you know, just being around kids and being out in public trick-or-treating in a costume in a wheelchair. I mean, you know, I was not myself going up to the doors and trick-or-treating because that is frowned upon when you are 38 years old. But, you know, just hanging out with the kids. It was a great time. I, I really enjoyed it. But, you know, the last couple of weeks I've been using the wheelchair a lot more. And because I haven't been using it recently, coming back to using it, 
I'm just really feeling the stark contrast of the way that people look at you different. Um, and it was really interesting listening back to this conversation with Kenneth, because we really touch on that as a topic, the way that people look at you when you have a chronic illness and you have any sort of difference from what is perceived to be normal. So, I've been really feeling that recently. It's been really interesting. Andy and I actually dressed as each other for Halloween. <laughs> we raided each other's closets and put costumes together just an hour before we had to head over for trick-or-treating. Um, I did post some pictures on my personal Instagram, which is at uh, jesse underscore mercury, if you'd like to see Andy and I dressed as each other. We got a new comment on our website that I wanted to share. This is from our episode about Herb's Palsy uh, from Season 1, Episode 39, where we met Favor, who is a musician who was born with Herb's Palsy due to an injury sustained during birth. And so, we got this uh, comment from Kim, and it says, I have Herb's Palsy. I am a musician. I've never met anyone else. And she did make a connection with me. I wish we could speak. Kim, thank you for your comment. I did reply and uh, mention a couple ways to potentially get in touch with Favor. I'm always happy to connect people directly. You can always email me, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com if you want to connect with someone who's been on the show, and I can reach out to them and try to facilitate that connection. I remember talking to Favor about the loneliness of not knowing anyone else with her condition. And that's a huge part of why I want to do this podcast, is to help people feel less alone. So, Kim, I'm so glad you found that episode. We also got a brand new rating and review on Apple Podcasts this week, and this happens to be from Kenneth, who we'll be interviewing today. You know, Kenneth and I had so much fun chatting, such a great conversation, and then the next day I was so excited to see this brand new review. This is under his screen name, Starboy World. It's called Best Awareness and Information on Disorders from the People Who Actually Live With Them. And the review says, Jesse brings this podcast alive, along with his guests, on giving real-life information on living with disorders and disabilities, and how they have overcome it. Great show, Jesse. Thanks for having me on the show. Looking forward to more episodes to come. Thank you so much, Kenneth. I appreciate that so much. And this is our 30th rating on Apple Podcasts, which is huge. Thank you all so much for um, helping to support the show. Leaving ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts is a huge way to do so. And this is a milestone that I'm thrilled to have achieved. Thanks to all of you. So thank you so much. If you have a rare disease like Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and you are looking for ways to make some extra money, I hope you will check out Rare Patient Voice. You can participate in research studies and surveys that are aimed at bettering the lives of people with your illness if you have a diagnosis of any kind. You can be paid an average of $100 per hour. If you use our link, which is in the show notes of this episode, rarepatientvoice.com slash majorpainpodcast, you can also support this podcast while you're signing up. It's an awesome opportunity, and I hope you will check it out. Last week, I mentioned that I had just started using Twitter for the podcast. I feel like I finally got some momentum with that. Uh, it's been awesome the last couple of weeks. We actually already crossed 100 followers on Twitter, and I've been really enjoying meeting and connecting with new people on that platform. Our, uh, our handle is at MajorPainPod. Of course, Elon Musk just took over the platform a couple days ago, and it's been a bit of a nightmare so far. So, uh, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do about that. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm doing nothing. I'm just going to kind of wait and see what happens and continue to use Twitter. I think there's a real possibility that Twitter might 
uh, crash and burn. So if that happens, I will stop using it. I, I'm kind of holding my breath and, you know, we're in a wait and see pattern, see what happens. So for now, you can still follow the podcast on Twitter at Major Pain Pod. And we are, of course, on Instagram and TikTok at Major Pain Podcast. I'll remind you, as always, that my guests and I are not medical professionals, so please do not take any medical action based off what you hear on this podcast without first consulting your doctor. So now I normally play our transition music and we jump right into our conversation, but today I have something a little bit different for you, so let me set this up. So Kenneth is actually a musician, and after our conversation, I went and checked out some of his music because, you know, we had so much fun chatting, I was curious about his Uh, creative expression. And I listened to one of his songs and I was really struck by it because it was obviously inspired by experiences that Kenneth had had in high school that tied in directly with what we'd been talking about in the episode of people looking at him like he was strange or didn't belong because of his skin condition, because of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. So I reached out to Kenneth and asked if I could share part of this song in the episode today, because I felt like it really helped to illustrate his story. And he agreed. And he also, you know, we got to talking about how there were some things we didn't cover in the episode, um, something in particular that happened with a, the principal of his high school. So he wrote an email to us uh, telling us a little bit about the song and also telling us about some of the experiences in high school he'd had that sort of inspired the song that we had not covered during the episode. So here's what Kenneth had to say. So the song is basically about how I struggled every day in school as a kid, from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade, where many kids found me weird and or gross or nasty by the way I looked. I was bullied, called names, and even picked on a lot as a kid, which left me antisocial in the end, but I never let it get to me. I focused on my grades and kept to myself and stayed as strong as I possibly knew how to. But one of the worst things was trying to find a way to fit in with the school schedule because of my skin condition. I could not be your average kid when it came time for the bell to ring in middle and high school and I had to switch class. I could not walk to my next class with every other kid, otherwise I would get stepped on and my ankle could rip open because the hallways were always so full and cluttered with kids walking and shuffling as a huge pack, sometimes stepping on each other's feet and running into one another. So I got a pass to leave my class five minutes before all the other students to get to my next class safely. Only problem was I got stepped on a lot and hurt and rushed to the hospital before the school made this exception for me. And the principal of the school was very harsh on me and my mother, telling us that he did not want my mother's special child in his school with my special needs and accommodations. After that, everything changed. The day I heard an adult say that to me and my mom was the day I stood up and took a stand to show the world I was not giving up or backing down. It's the day I didn't care what a soul thought of me any longer, and the guilt and the anger fell right off of me. So to transition us into our conversation with Kenneth, here is an excerpt from his song, Back in High School. Back in high school, I didn't care. Nobody liked me, everybody stared. Back in high school, I didn't care. Nobody liked me, everybody stared. Back in high school, I didn't care. Nobody liked me, everybody stared. Back in high school, I didn't care. Nobody liked me, everybody stared. Kenneth, welcome to the podcast. Wow. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Um, you're someone who reached out over email, a listener of the show, and I'm, I'm so grateful that you contacted me, and I'm really excited to hear your story. Yes, yes, indeed. I'm really excited to be on. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's, let's get to know you a little bit. Kenneth, why don't you tell us about yourself? So my name's Kenneth West. Uh, I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. 
me, my mom, uh, my uncle, my grandma, uh, are all born with Ehlers Janma syndrome. Wow. Um, pretty big in my family. Um, I actually have it the worst. My uncle actually recently passed away, but I have it the worst in the family. Um, we don't know exactly what types we have. Uh, I know I have more than the hypermobility, but other than that, uh, I was diagnosed at about two years old. So, Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to have a lot of questions about that. But before, before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, hobbies, passions, anything like that. I... I'm really big into technology and cameras and so on. Um, I make music. Uh, I'm kind of like one of those people that when I see something and I like it, I like to get hands on and do it and learn it and I learn it and I get it done. So like um, I kind of do social media with like YouTube and stuff a little bit. Um, like I said, I'm really big on cameras and technology. I'm really good at fixing computers, fixing cars and stuff. Even though I have my condition, I, I just do it anyways and just work and fix things. Um, but I also make music. Um, I've had a big passion for music since I was uh, a kid. It's just something that's really relatable to listen to, um, especially whenever they're like making lyrics in a certain form or fashion that does with something you can relate to. Yeah, so cool. What, what genre of music do you create? I'm not sure if I would label mine under a genre. I guess you could say kind of like pop, like rap hip hop sort of, but it's not really something for everybody. Um, I have some stuff on there that's actually really like emotional. Some like really emotional music. Like uh, recently uh, I've wrote some songs for my grandma and my uncle's passed away. Mm. So it's like very like emotional in a sense. Like you can really feel the emotion in it. Awesome. Um, yeah. I, I love making music as well. I feel like, for me, it's like the purest form of creative expression. Whatever it is that you're trying to say through music, I feel like it's just such an impactful art form. Definitely, yes. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, let's get into your major pain. You mentioned <laughs> Ehlers-Danlos. You mentioned being diagnosed at two years old. Tell, tell us about your major pain. I was born, uh, actually pre born premature. So uh, I was pretty normal uh, other than being underweight. Um, I was born actually like a month and a half early. <laughs> so... Um, being born, I, the doctors didn't really suspect that I had EDS yet. My mom has it. Um, and my aunt had it, my uncle had it. So my grandma had it and it, my, all three of my grandma's children had it. So then we were figuring, you know, the kids that are born after are going to have it, but that's actually not how it worked. Um, I was the first born. So I was born with it at two years. Well, born with it. Um, at two years old, I got hurt and hit my knee really hard and I had a huge hematoma on my knee. And it was like, it looked like I had a, like a tennis ball on my knee at two years old hmm. and the doctors had to pop it. And, uh, from that point on, they were like, yeah, the way my skin ripped and everything, I had other stamina syndrome. There's no ifs, ands or buts about it. Um, from then on, I was constantly getting hurt. I always had a bandaid on my forehead growing up always, or I had a black eye cause I'd fall and hit something and run into something. And, um, I had scars, as you can see, I got scars on my forehead. So I've, you know, ran into a lot of things as a kid, but I was always like a really rough kid. Um, like, even though that I had my condition, it didn't, I didn't realize, you know, like being born with it, like I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, you know, it was more like, does everybody have this? Like, I didn't really, <laughs> I was just getting hurt and going to the hospital, like literally, I would probably go to the hospital three times a week. Like, wow. no kidding. And I just thought it was normal. I thought that was every kid. I thought every kid would get hurt and go to the hospital that much. I didn't know it was, I was different um, until I started getting in school and was I was made fun of a lot. Um, 
a lot of people would pick on me and say, Ew, what's wrong with your skin? Ew, something's wrong with you. Or why do you wear shorts? You should wear pants and cover that up. That's nasty. It's gross, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like a very emotional person that would like stay to myself and I wouldn't really talk to anybody. Um, and I, after that, after that started setting in and people would pick on me, I just kind of like severed to myself and I didn't really have much friends and stuff. Wow. So in some ways your, your condition has all of these like ripple effects throughout your life and has created some um, separation between you and your peers as a child. I yes. mean, is that something you've thought about that the, all the ways in which this has sort of not just impacted your body, but your, your psyche and your emotions? Yeah. I, I've thought about it that way. Um, I guess in a, in a sense, it's made me stronger as a person though, because since I grew up being a person that always focused on staying to myself, I've come pretty like passionate with electronics and stuff. So like, I'm really smart when it comes to like electronics and fixing cars and stuff. And people will be like, Whoa, like, you know how to do that? Like, you just fix <laughs> like, how'd you fix that? Like, you know? And, um, so I kind of do have like issues when it comes to like social, you know, like being social and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good with, it, but I'm not as good with it as, you know, companies and stuff would maybe like if you were to get hired for a job. Um, that's the other thing I've come to notice is it's quite hard um, with my condition because being out in public, um, people give me weird looks like, because I wear shorts and, you know, I wear a lot of shorts and I have cuts all over my hands and bruises and everything. Mm. So I wear uh, short sleeve shirts and shorts and stuff and people just look at me weird looks and stuff. And growing up, I, I didn't know how to convey with that. Like I didn't know how to like, cope with it like i was just like what what is everybody staring at like what's what's going on you know and some people what's wrong with your kid and stuff and actually it's pretty crazy um so my major hurt thing i've got was in second grade i think it was it was yeah second grade i fell off the monkey bars on the playground and completely broke my right arm i literally fractured it here wow you can see right here my bone was actually piercing out my arm was dead oh and, um, the, I, 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 from that point, you know, I got hurt a lot. So I've also become accustomed to pain. Like when I get hurt, I have to like double check and be like, wait, am I hurt? Am I, am I really bleeding or anything? Cause I, sometimes I can't tell whether I'm really hurt. Cause I'm so used to pain. Mm-hmm. Like body has become like numb to it. Sort of it's kind of weird. Um, so when I got off the monkey bars and I showed the teacher, I'm like, Hey, my arm, I'm bleeding my arm. The teacher actually passed out. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Yeah. Um, and then they rushed me into the uh, uh, school and I was in the nurse's office and they sent the ambulance and I was rushed to the hospital. Wow. So. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So, and you mentioned that you have a more uh, serious uh, Ehlers-Danlos than other members of your family. So, for, for our listeners that can't see you, d- describe, yeah. describe this to our listeners. As, as I know it's a hard question. Tell us about yeah. your body. Um, well, <laughs> you know, I know it's tough, but tell our listeners about what what, you know, what a severe Ehlers-Danlos looks like. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm actually quite lucky though. I don't have like the, the major, major severe, the, the biggest uh, severe Ehlers-Danlos I've noticed is there's people that actually have to live in the hospital where they can't really move their joints as much. And uh, they have tend to have a lot of like um, very uh, elastic skin. Like I have elastic skin and everything. Oh yeah. Wow. Look at that. I wish, our, I wish our viewers could see our listeners. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, Your finger bends all the way back. Oh my God. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. You, you are flexible. 
So wow. I, I have flex and everything, but along uh, with the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, I also have scoliosis in my back. Uh-huh. Um, if I had to explain it, I guess you would say elastic Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, you know, where you have your double joint and everything. I have that, but I also have it where it affects my um, blood vessels, my muscles, my skin, basically every organ in my body. Um, Cause I also have migraines and stuff. Not as bad now. I had them more when I was younger. Um, but I guess you would say, imagine like a burn victim sort of, but more like a lot of scars where it looks like, uh, imagine somebody in a car accident or so that was really badly hurt and had to have a lot of surgeries. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see what you're showing and it, it's like you have the elastic skin, but then also scars on top and it sort of turns yeah. a little bit purple. That's never going to go away. It's there forever. Yeah. You know, and I've talked to a lot of people with Ehlers-Danlos and I, in, in your case, I, I feel like there is a lot of visible component just from talking over Zoom. Um, yeah. So, so what's it like to, you know, we, we live in a society that puts everyone in boxes that sort of sorts people and kind of demands people to be quote unquote normal in order to, um, to succeed and thrive. And then, you yeah. know, having a chronic illness kind of takes you out of that. And there is not a lot of empathy or understanding in, in society when there absolutely should be. And it should be okay for everyone to be born the way they are born you know, and to exist and thrive and to have, you know, tools set up to help support people. But unfortunately, that's not the world we live in. So, so what's it like to grow up with a condition that is not only affecting your entire body, but, you know, is um, also kind of pulls you outside of the quote unquote normal? Um, How does that feel for you? So with my family, since we all grew up with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, we grew up in a very poor family. Um, Actually, to be honest, in my family, uh, we there was probably about twelve of us living in one house um, mm. because of you know going to the hospital, paying the medical bills, paying for you know. Of course, we don't know exactly. We couldn't afford to figure out what type we have because you actually have to pay for them to do research and figure out exactly what type you have. But yeah, that it is tough uh, growing up with the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome because um, when I was uh, so here, I guess I could put it in like this way. Um, it affects my blood veins and everything also. So I used to work in a grocery store for five years. And, you know, if you have to stock, you have to get down, uh, down on your knees, uh, pick things up and then a stock shelf. So you have to start from the bottom to the top and actually doing that for too long. I get dizzy and drowsy in my head. If I get up too fast, my vision will get blurry and I'll sort of kind of like get very dizzy and my vision will kind of go like black and white sort of. It's kind of, mm-hmm. it's so weird to explain. I've explained it to the doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, you know, that's, pure uh circulation from this the my muscle tightening in my feet um pressing along the you know my blood vessels together and me getting up and it's kind of hard to it's weird to explain yeah but um but the other thing is you know trying to get a job and and the other thing that i've noticed a lot is um me, me with this condition a lot of people will look at me like i'm gross or like uh i'm a druggie or or something like that because i'll be like like what's wrong with you? Like they'll look at me like, Ugh, you know, mm. so getting jobs in the past and stuff sometimes can be difficult because they'll look at me like, Oh, we're not, you know, like they won't physically say it, but the way it comes and intends and the way it really seems is like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, I don't know if we should hire this guy. Like, you know what I mean? And jobs don't really understand. Like, you know, I get hurt. Um, so having jobs, I past jobs, I would get hurt, you know? And 
um, even being as careful as they can, you know, I can still get hurt and uh, dislocate something. Now, I haven't had too many issues with dislocating that bad. Like, um, I've dislocated my toe. I've dislocated the shoulder. Um, I've had a few dislocations, but not too many, thankfully. I think part of that is um, because of the way I've grown up and the way I was accustomed to, like, doing things myself. I've strengthened my muscles. So strengthening my muscles has helped with that. Mm-hmm. When I was 18 years old, I graduated high school and right before, right after graduation, I was going in for a surgery for my feet because some people with Ellis danlos syndrome, uh, our joints are all weak and they dislocate easy. So my big toes and my feet, actually, uh, my mus- my bones and my big toes deformed. So my big toe was uh, actually growing over my other toes. Mm. So I had to get surgery for that. And I kind of wish I'd never got that surgery now because even though my big toe was growing over my feet, um, it didn't hurt until like after my surgery. Now it, the surgery was a pain. They actually went in and cut the muscle through and, and actually cut bone off. And like, literally my, my two big toes are literally like, um, how would you say it? Um, stuck in place, like straight or stuck straight. There's, I have metal bars and screws in my feet hmm. and, the thing that's really bad about that is I can't wear like normal shoes anymore. Um, even when custom shoes that they gave me, they still hurt. Um, the pressure from tightening your shoelaces and stuff or having Velcro shoes or anything, pressing down on my muscle, pressing my muscle and my flesh against the metal bars and the screws, it just hurts so bad. So I wear Crocs and like sandals and stuff because I can't wear that. It, over time, it's just like a burning sensation on my feet and it hurts so bad. Um, so... I wish I never got that surgery that the doctor said that I should get, which I think I probably should have never got. Um, yeah. How, how do you feel about your medical care over the years? This is such an interesting case because, you know, a lot of people that we've talked to with Ehlers-Danlos have really fought for the diagnosis and have known like something is different about my body their whole lives, but didn't know what and have been trying so hard to get doctors to listen to them. But you were diagnosed at two years old. There's a family history. And you've known about this your whole life. Um, so, we have this rare opportunity to talk to someone who's lived, not only lived with this their whole life, but known about it and, you know, been able to talk to doctors about it for, for decades. And do you mind if I ask how old you are? Yeah, I'm 27. 27. Okay. So, yeah. So, 25 years worth of talking to doctors. I'm sure you don't even remember the very beginning. What has that journey been like with doctors? I started off really good. Um, when I was born, you know, the actual doctor that helped my mom give birth to me knew about Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. So that wow. was a good thing. And, um, throughout my whole years of getting hurt, I, he, I'd always see him. I'd always come to him and he'd always be like, well, you got hurt again, huh? And he'd suture me up and fix me. And, you know, I'd always go to him, but sadly, um, like I said, growing up, you know, with people, I only, I can relate to him as a doctor, everybody else around me, you know, would give me funny looks and stuff. So sadly with all that and people thinking I was gross and everything, you know, I really didn't stick up for myself as much. I was like, you know, in a box, like I wanted to stay to myself because people were all mean to me, except my doctor, you know, and my family, they weren't, but like he understood. And, you know, I'd always go him and get uh, sutures and everything done. And, and I always get, I'd have, uh, I'd have migraines like really bad. Um, and, him as a doctor was perfect because he understood me. Um, but sadly he retired. Mm. And when he retired, 
it made it really difficult because it was hard to find another doctor that would understand the same way. And I found one more doctor that would understand, but he also retired. So after that, me and my family quit looking for doctors because um, it started getting hard for doctors to understand because a lot of doctors didn't know about it then. Um, some did, some didn't, but if they did, they'd be like, oh, you know, you're fine or this or that. Um, but one of the major things is me getting older. I don't go to the doctor as much anymore. Um, I used to go to the doctor every time I ripped my arm open or something, like I'd get a, like a big gash and you have to get it stitched open because it'd be like three inches by two inches or so. It'd be huge. I don't just uh, get a scratch. It's like a gash. Like it's wide. You can see my flesh and everything. Um, and now that I'm older, I, I just don't go to the doctor anymore as much because I just, I know how to take care of myself after all the years. I'll just um, throw the stuff over and get me the right bandages or ACE bandages and take care of it and clean and keep it clean and not get an infection. Cause I'd be prone to getting staph infection too, because of how much I've gotten hurt. Mm. Um, my worst thing that I've had with a doctor, this is pretty crazy. And, and listening to your other episodes, you could probably relate this relate to this with the other episodes. Um, I think about five years ago, I went in, I, I was actually really good. I didn't go to the hospital for three years. I managed to go three years without getting badly hurt. I was surprised. I was like, oh, ecstatic. like, no way. Like I was doing good. And I got hurt really bad. Uh, I ripped my knee open and it was huge. I had to get it sutured. I had to take care of it. I walked in the hospital and none of the doctors, you know, a lot of them don't know. Um, and I was in the hospital room, finally in the waiting room, finally in the hospital room. This doctor walks in. It's a, it was a female doctor. I'm not going to say her name or anything, but she walks in the room. And the first thing she has to say to me is, what do you do? And I said, what do you mean? She's like, what do you shoot up? Oh my God. Uh. I was like, excuse me. I was like, and I've come to this hospital when I was a kid and I'm like, excuse me. I said, you can go look in my chart. I have a syndrome. You can look through it all. I've probably been here more than like 5,000 times or more. Ugh. Like, you know, and she walked out of the room and, um, my mom was there with me and we were, we, she, my mom was upset. She, my mom was mad. My mom was so upset. We actually got one of the higher superiors in the doctor to come um, in the hospital to come down to the room and apologize. And she was laid off for a month. Wow. And my bills that day were free. I, we didn't have to pay at all. The hospital apologized so bad, but that was probably the worst thing I've had. Um, other than going in now, I don't, you know, I've had migraines and stuff growing up. So I was giving like 800 milligrams um, pain medicine. Um, I couldn't remember exactly what it was called. Um, but my migraines were really bad growing up. They were like, like intense like if, it, if there was an earthquake and you felt like you were fall it was so weird like i had to be in a dark room no sound it hurt so bad like i felt like my brain was like like growing bigger than my skull and my skull was just smashing my brain it was so bad mm. uh, and so the doctors would give me pain medicine but i really wouldn't take it that much i would lay down and just in the dark and turn the light off and just be quiet, you know, for the pain to go away. And I'd fall asleep and I'd wake up two hours later and it'd be gone. But that's the other thing. Doctors will look at me and be like, like, what are you coming in for? You need pain medicine. You, would you want medicine? Is that what it is? You know, same thing. Oh, yeah. It's like, no, no, I have a rip. And, and, and now since they've done that to me, they'll, whenever I get hurt really bad, I've come accustomed to pain and come like, it's so weird, man. It's, it's crazy. Like my body has absorbed pain so much that like when I get hurt, it hurts for like the first minute. But then after that, like it's gone, it don't hurt anymore. It just doesn't hurt. It's so weird. And so now I'll go in and I'll be like, man, that's a big gas. Do you want morphine? And I'll be like, Nope, I don't want it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you, you've been through so much and like, and it's so, it's so unfair that that's, 
the way that things work. You know, it's so, it's so upsetting that you have these like individual doctors who are willing to listen to you. And when they retire, you no longer have good care. Like that's exactly. really upsetting. And that's not the way it should be. And, you know, Ellis Danlos is uh, really kind of coming into limelight now. Um, it's much mo- more well known now. But yeah. 25 years ago, I'm shocked that you were diagnosed at two because 25 years ago, it was very not well known. And, you know, it sounds like in, in your family, you have a history of it that goes back even further than that. Can you tell me, yes. tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So I guess that's where I got lucky is my, my uh, mom's mom. So actually, my mom's mom's mom had it. Mom, my grandma and my great grandma lived in Arkansas. My great grandma had it. And my great grandma actually had over 23 children. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, a couple of her kids got it. My grandma was one of them that got it. Um, so, um, this is kind of like dark and stuff, but my great, uh, my grandma was sort of an alcoholic and stuff. I'm not sure exactly why, but the only reason that we wound up in Missouri is because my, my great grandma had it. My, uh, grandma, which is her daughter had it. And, my grandma became an alcoholic. So my grandma actually wrecked her car and broke her back. So St. Louis was like the only city close to where we lived Arkansas to, uh, that would actually be able to uh, help her and put the bar in her back and, you know, fix her back and everything. So that was the only reason we wound up in St. Louis. Um, and so my grandma's children, all three of my grandma's children had it all three. Um, my uncle had it the worst. My aunt has it. Uh, she has it uh, sort of like, so if, if you want to start back from the back, my great grandma had it very bad. Um, not too bad though. She had all the scars and stuff, but I guess she was just prone to like staying from getting hurt a lot. Um, and I'm pretty sure she had uh, double joint, double jointed, um, but it wasn't talked about too much in my family. So my grandma had it. My grandma had the cuts, um, the scars, uh, double jointed, um, and then all three of my grandma's children, my uncle, my aunt, my mom, my uncle had it just like me, um, except I had it worse than him, actually. It's crazy. Uh, he had the scars, the double jointed, and the migraines. My aunt had the migraines. Uh, she has the scars, but doesn't have too many scars, so she was prone to not getting hurt as much, I guess. And she has the double jointedness. My mom has the migraines really bad and she has the scars and the double jointedness. And then I, my mom's first child has everything. Mm. (laughs) So I don't know. Like I've just, it's kind of weird to explain, but yeah, I have the headaches and the migraines and I got the migraines from my mom. My mom has them the worst. I had them really bad. Um, growing up with it. This is kind of weird, uh, to explain you know how uh, kids have growth spurts. I had grow growth. My growth spurts hurt. Mm. I could feel my body growing. I could feel my bones and my feet, uh, my uh, shins. You know your shins and everything expand as you grow. My feet would ache so bad. They would hurt. I growing because I'm about uh, six foot, and I was you know a small child. So every time I had a growth spurt my feet would be killing me. I could feel my bones, my feet growing and, and like 
it's so weird to explain. <laughs> my grandma and my other aunt would give my, me massages on my feet because that's the only thing that would make it go away. Like my feet hurt so bad. Like I could feel my body growing. It's so weird. Wow. Have you felt, you know, o- over the your family history and over your own personal history, have you felt a shift in the understanding of Ehlers-Danlos and the medical medical community? I know you mentioned that you have that you try not to go to the doctor anymore, um, but it, it has is that something that you felt or noticed at all? Like I said, me as a kid, uh, it was really our family really understood. We we knew we had Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Um, the doctor I first had understood that we had Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, but since those two doctors retired, my family we just stay to ourselves. We don't really go to the doctor too much mm-hmm. because now that we go to the doctor, like I said, all they do is hit us with, "Oh, you want." you want pain medicine? Oh, you, you know, like some of them don't understand, understand, but a lot of them are just like, Oh, well, you have, you have EDS. We can't really do anything for you. Yeah. And you know, being shut down over and over by doctors, it starts to feel futile. I know I've gone through periods where I didn't go to doctors because I was just gave up. And I, I started over University of Washington medical center and it got, it was so much better. And it's just like, where was this? You know, where was this my whole life? Um, but before that, my old medical center, I just completely stopped going. It just felt completely pointless to, to talk to any of the doctors because it was just all, you know, well, this is all in your head. Go see a, a psychologist. And the psychologist exactly. is like, well, this is a medical condition. Go to the doctor. I'm like, they won't help me. You know, what's the point? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely felt that too. But I just had a really great appointment the other day where the doctor was telling me, you know, like you might be in one of these outlier diagnoses that's not well understood yet, but things are advancing rapidly and changing rapidly and you never know what the future is going to hold. And it could be that there are better, better therapies and more understanding for whatever this condition is in the future. And I think that that's happening right now for Ehlers-Danlos for sure. So, you know, I, I hope that you are able to find another good doctor and it's just, it's awful that it's so far between and it's so long to you know go from one doctor to the next when someone retires but i i do have hope that there will be someone in the future who will you know understand you and be able to be your your caretaker because everyone deserves that exactly yes so your family has always understood this condition um it goes back generations but the rest of the world is just now sort of getting wise to what this is uh and you mentioned you know as a kid, other people looking at you strange and not understanding you, does that bring along a sense of loneliness? Growing up, yes. Um, it, I was pretty lonely. Uh, I would get hurt all the time. So growing up, I would tend to stay to myself because people would either look at me weird or make fun of me. Um, I actually was uh, diagnosed with depression around 17 or 18, 17 or 18. Um, and they gave me medicine for it and I didn't take the medicine. And I was like, no, I'm not depressed. <laughs> I'm not depressed. It's just, you know, growing up this way and having people around you look at you like you're trash, I guess you could say. I don't know how to explain it, you know. Um, but now that I've gotten older, I've just come accustomed to like, you know, knowing like, you know, I'm different, but I'm still going to make it. You know, I don't care. The guy, ne- you know, the guy next door can look at me. I can go to the gas station. He can look at me weird. You can look weird all you want, you know. You know, people are going to do what they want to do. You can't control people. So I've just come to custom to learning that I'm just me. I'm different. And I'm going to do what I want to do. And if people want to look at me weird, so be it. If you could change the way that society at large 
views people who they deem to be different, what would you change? Because you, because you've had to shoulder the burden. You know, you're the one living with a with a painful condition. Yes, and it should not be on you to have to educate society and to, you know, you've had to adjust to the way that people look at you when it should, like people should adjust the way that they look at other people. You know, it it yeah. shouldn't have to come from you. So if you Thanks. could. You know, for anyone who's listening who might um, have those moments where they look at people and make snap judgments about them, yeah. you know, like, wh- what would you want to change about the way that they view the world? You know, when you see somebody who's different, you know, you shouldn't really look at them like they're different. Um, everybody, you know, everybody's different. I mean, we're all the same, but we're different, you know? Nobody's any different than anybody else just because somebody has a condition. So, probably just change the way people think, like, to be honest, it's pretty crazy to think about because a lot of the people in the world who are different actually turn out to be, some of them turn out to be the most successful people. That is so true. Everybody is different, you know? Yeah. And this idea that some differences are deemed to be like socially acceptable or not is yeah. completely arbitrary and it changes from person to person. But like some people will assume that it's, it's the same for everyone, but it's not. It is absolutely not. You know, we have so many problems in this country of people assuming things about like wide swaths of people that are completely inaccurate and unfair and exclusionary. And we need to move past that type of thinking. We're all different, but we're, and we're different in different ways. And there's this like scale of humanity, this like, you know, spectrum of humanity and where you lie on that spectrum, we're all still human. We're all still part of the same culture and we should all treat each other with respect and give each other the benefit of the doubt and not assume things about each other. You know, I, I my my life was forever changed by you know, using a wheelchair in public and just feeling that sensation of like going from being, you know, someone who was just kind of blending in and doing doing things normally to all of a sudden like I'm in a wheelchair and people look at me completely differently and uh the way that I had to move within society instantly changed. And it was like really a shock to me to, to feel like you stick out, to feel like you're being watched or judged just for existing in the way that your body needs to exist. You know, we all get used to it over time, but it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't, we shouldn't have to do that. We shouldn't have to do all of this mental gymnastics to learn how to exist. The rest of society should be doing that. You know, and like, obviously we have to do that, but it should, we should all work together on this. Like, like for me, it's like hard to be seen on days where I'm twitching and spasming and can't walk. Um, And I've had to do a lot of internal work to let people in and let, let people see me that way. But the rest of society should be doing this work too. You know, able-bodied people, uh, people that were born healthy, that have never had to face any physical challenges. They should be doing this work as well of, of learning to accept everyone, no matter where they come from or or how they present. Exactly, yes. Yeah, I'm just getting up on my soapbox over here. <laughs> I, I agree with that totally because us being different and us learning how to grow within our difference, you know, how different we are and learning how to grow with our condition, actually, if you look at it, makes us stronger. Yeah. And yeah. That's so true. What are the ways in which your uh, Ellis Danlos syndrome has made you stronger? Growing up with this condition, growing up with the pain, growing up with people not understanding me has helped me grow as a person and understand that I'm different. People are going to look at me differently and I'm just going to have to go in the world and do what I want to do 
and just forget like people that want to judge me. And, um, it's helped me because I've worked at a grocery store for five years and I worked overtime and, and I, I did salad bar. I did produce. I did cash register. I was constantly moving about and they would work me to death. And I was okay with it. You know, I was trying to make as much money as possible, but when they would leave me with like three or four pallets of like potatoes to stack or so, <laughs> my body couldn't handle that as much. And it was really pushing me over the edge. So I come to realize, you know, I've got to adapt into what I can do. And I, a lot of people in my family are like, or people that know me are like, why are you doing this now? But I put my two weeks in and I left and I just DoorDash now full time in my car. Um, and a lot of people are like, well, you're going to run your car down. But growing up the way I've grown up, I've come accustomed to learning how to do things myself. So I learned how to fix my own car. I learned how to fix my own electronics. I've learned how to fix the problems myself and get over it. Um, so a lot of people will look at me and be like, well, you're going to run your car into the ground. You're going to run your car into the ground. Well, I can fix my car. My car is replaceable. I'd rather run my car into the ground than run myself into the ground. Oh, I love it. That's brilliant. Absolutely. And that's so wise. And it's tough, you know, when you're, when you're young and entering the workforce and you want to succeed and impress and, you know, like you'll do whatever your boss tells you, you'll work hard, you'll work late. If you have a chronic illness, it will have a toll. And, yes. and oftentimes, employers are not willing to take less from you than you've been giving. So, that's, so you like put in your two weeks notice, you found a different job. Um, yep. And yeah, that's, you're, you're accommodating for, for your illness in the best way that you can. And I, I love that attitude of, you know, I can fix my car, but, you know, I can run my car down, but I don't want to run my body down. I love that attitude. I, my car's replaced. Yeah, your car's replaceable, you're not. I love that. So as we've been talking, you know, I've learned a lot about others, Danlos, in the last, you know, year and a half of doing this podcast. And you've said a couple of things that stuck out, stood out to me. Um, you know, talking about your migraines and how they got better over time, talking about how that runs in your family. Um, you made me think of, I, I don't know how to say it, CCI, cervical, cranial cervical instability, I think it is, um, that I hear about with people with Ellis Danlos, where, you know, the, the way that your head is actually sitting on your, on your spinal cord um, yes. sometimes can be a little unstable and cause like pressure and pain in your head. And then talking about stand, sit, you know, kneeling down and standing up a lot and how you'd sometimes it would go black a little bit. That really made me think of POTS, postural orthostatic um, tachycardia syndrome. I am not a doctor. <laughs> I am not a doctor. It's just like those things, you know, popped in my head as you were talking. Have you, have you looked into any of those sort of uh, uh, comorbidities that come along with Ellis Danlos syndrome? I've looked into quite a few of them, but I've went to the doctor and told the doctor, you know, that, you know, when I get down like that and I pick things up and I get up, my vision will get blurred. I'll get really dizzy and they'll go like, my vision will literally get black and white for a minute. And then it'll go like, it's so weird. Yeah. And the doctor just told me, well, it's just uh, the pressure from your, you know, your muscle when you're bent down like that, your muscle and your legs are tight. So you're squeezing your blood veins and your, and your foot and your feet really tight. So when you get up, that blood flows rushing. So it just creates, I guess he said, it just makes me like drowsy and dizzy. Hmm. And I was like, okay, I mean, <laughs> I haven't looked into the pots and stuff as much, the pots and all that. Um, but I just know that I have Ehlers Danlos syndrome and I have migraines and I have uh, scoliosis in my back. Um, yeah. But the migraine thing you were talking about, um, I had them really bad, just like my feet. And I actually, the doctors were worried um, and 
I was actually getting put in the hospital and going through CAT scans and stuff in my brain. And they were making sure I didn't have a tumor or anything like that. Um, Cause they didn't know it was, they were like, that I was literally going through sleep studies and everything where they I'd sleep and they put a thing on my head and they were checking my brain patterns and everything. And they couldn't figure it out. And they were like, you just have really bad migraines. So they gave me pain medicine. And they said, here you go. This will fix it. Yeah. And yeah. It, it almost feels like maybe they just don't quite understand and are brushing you off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it seemed like. Just like with my foot surgery, I feel like they didn't really know what to do. And the, the doctor that did the surgery, she was like, well, this will just fix it. And my feet didn't hurt. Like they, my bones were crooked in my foot, but they, my feet didn't hurt. You know, my feet hurt when I was growing, but my feet didn't hurt after the surgery. Here I am as an adult now, my feet constantly hurt. Yeah. Now that you've gotten older, you know, I know you dealt with a lot of bullying as a child. And um, now that you've gotten older, has that shifted? Have you found uh, community? Have you found like chosen family, anything like that? I've tried. You mean like as in like finding other people with my condition and stuff? Sure. Yeah. I've tried that. I've tried looking around, but there's not too many people I don't think here in St. Louis or that I've found. Um, I've looked on the internet, I've looked on Facebook. I've looked, I've looked for groups and a lot of them are tend to be in like other States, not many here in St. Louis. Um, I've been looking and, you know, really thought about, you know, that'd be really nice to meet other people in my condition and, and talk to them and stuff and uh, other people that have conditions uh, like me, but it's just in the area I live in, it's just kind of hard to find. Sure. And I've just come accustomed to um, just, doing what I got to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's all any of us can do, you know, like we all, we all have challenges in our bodies, except for the people that don't. And I look at them and I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) How did you get through life unscathed? That is crazy. Um, Yeah. yeah, And we all kind of have to just like learn what works for us and what gets us up in the morning and go. Um, Is there any, it sounds like you don't like to take pain medication uh, is there any medication or anything that you're taking or any, um, you know, anything that you do to kind of manage your condition? Um, so, like I said, I used to be on some kind of, uh, I think it was, it wasn't ibuprofen, but I think it was 800 milligram oxycodone. I think that's what they gave me for my headaches. Mm. Um, but I haven't took that in a long time. Um, I actually haven't had that in like, I guess you could say probably like 10 years. No, 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 no. Nine years. Like around 18. I didn't take like out oh, from I was, when I was getting headaches. But other than that, I, every now and then, if I feel any pain, um, like my feet will hurt sometimes I'll just take some, uh, Advil. Wow. I'll take like, because like I said, it's, it's so weird. So after feeling all that pain from two years old to like, probably like 21, 22, after feeling all that pain for all those years, all those growth spurts, all the headaches, all the migraines, you know, every time I've get hurt, like literally I'd go to the hospital, like, three times a week growing up like i would constantly rip my flesh open or my skin open like constantly i had broken bones and dislocated um now it's i don't it's just so weird i kind of can view myself like my body has just absorbed to it so much that when i get hurt i have to just look and be like wait am i bleeding like i'll hit my <laughs> hard and i'll be like wait did i rip i gotta check did i did I rip myself open am i bleeding like i have to check because i won't know my body my my adrenaline stuff has just gotten so used to like oh you know he got hurt it don't hurt it's so weird so yeah you've adapted to pain you've like moved beyond it that's wild i've never yeah. heard anyone say that yeah it's, it's weird um but 
well, my feet will hurt every now and then and I'll take like two Advil and it'll go away. But that's yeah. very rarely um, because my body has come accustomed to like just ignoring the pain. It's weird. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Is there anything about Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome that that you want the world to know about or anything about your story that you really want people to know? I would really like people in the world to understand that people are born with the condition where, because I have a lot of people that'll be like, well, were you in a fire? Were you in a car accident? Like, what's happened to you? Like, oh my gosh. And, you know, that's cool. It doesn't bother me. But it's like, I would like people in the world to like really understand and that there's people out there whose body can't make collagen or, or our DNA is different and our body just can't heal the way other people can, you know, and understand that it's normal. It's just our DNA is just different, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's so important. And it goes back to that, you know, empathy and understanding and building accommodation for, for people across the spectrum. And that's, that's so yeah. important. Exactly. Yeah. So I have one more question for you. If you could go back in time and send a message to yourself uh, as a kid, you know, when you were living through so much pain, all these growth spurts and, and being bullied, it sounded like a really hard time to get through, but you made it through and yeah. it made you stronger. You, you've like gotten to the point where you barely even take any pain, pain medication ever. Um, yeah. If you could send a message to yourself to help yourself get through it, what would it be? I guess... I wish there was like a guardian angel to tell me like, it'll be okay. It's okay. You'll get through this. Don't worry about it. But I wish I wasn't so antisocial. Mm. I wish that I had somebody there that would tell me like, you'll be fine. You'll be okay. Cause I, I really didn't have that. You know, even though people in my family had it, everybody in my family just stayed to themselves. Yeah. We would talk to each other about things and understand it, but we wouldn't like, you know, my mom would take me to the hospital all the time, but there was no like, hey, you're okay. You're going to be okay. It was more like, I'm lost. Like, what's going on? Like, I'm getting hurt. Is this normal? I'm bleeding. I'm always bleeding. I'm always in pain. What is with this? Why do people make fun of me? What's going on? You know? So that's what I would tell myself is I wish I had somebody there that would tell me it's okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be stronger after all this. Yeah, we should all have that. And I'm I'm sorry that you had to go through that alone. That's awful. But you can now yeah. be that person for, for someone else. Exactly. You, you've learned those lessons the hard way. And, you know, by getting up on a platform and talking about what you've lived through, someone else will hear it and you're going to make someone else feel less alone. And if you meet someone who is in need, you're going to know how to see it because you've been through it. And oftentimes people that are in distress are ignored and you'll, you'll know how to be there for someone someday at some point, those lessons will ease the way for someone else. Yeah. So if you have Ellie's Danlow syndrome out there, just know, you know, you're different. It's okay. And you can get through it you can get through anything. You're stronger than you think. And most people around you think you're weak, but you're not weak. You, in the end, you will become the most strongest person that you can realize. It's crazy. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Kenneth, awesome job today. This was such a fun conversation and such a, you know, every time I talk to someone with Elders Danlos, it's so different. And just hearing your perspective, it's been very different. And, you know, th there's things that carry through that are similar, but just, you know, every person's journey through chronic illness is unique. 
And it's been uh, a real pleasure getting to know you and hearing your story today. Please tell us where we can find your work online or any social media, any music you'd like to share. Please tell us about it. Well, uh, you can look me up on Google if you want. It's Starboy World. So it's spelled S-T-A-R, boy as in B-O-I, and then world. Um, and it's all one, no spaces. And instead of a Y for boy, it's I. So Starboy World. If you look me up on Google, it'll pop up on all platforms. So Awesome. I'll be on SoundCloud, YouTube. Want to reach out and talk to me about, you know, Ellie's General Syndrome. If you're feeling lonely, go ahead. You know, I'll talk to you. I'll, you know, talk you through it. I'll be there for you. Awesome. I love it. Kenneth, thank you so much for your time. You did an absolutely fantastic job. Uh, I've, I've really, really enjoyed talking today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for letting me come on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters-Schmidt, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Danielle Signorelli, Alexandria Henderson, and Justin Minnick. And our $25 per month producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpain podcast.